0: Thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow in if you would like us as a church to pray for you please email prayer at or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox so we start a new series today we're going to be looking at the book of one Thessalonians it's a letter to a young church that are in a difficult place in difficult times it's only five chapters long So that means, those of you who often say, I struggle to read the Bible, or I find it really difficult to read the Bible, why not read it along with us? We're going to look at chapter 1 today, I think it's only 10 verses max, so as we read it, why don't you spend this week reading it again, so it goes deep, and start a conversation with God as you read it, help it, use it to help you pray. So, Maybe you could share verses on social media. Maybe you could post them and tag Spring Mountain them so we can see what you're getting out of it. Because actually, if we did that, it's got to be better than some of the stuff we share, hasn't it? If we tag verses of Scripture and truth from God's Word. What are you waiting for? Do it. What are you waiting for? Start this year well and start it today. So we're going to look at chapter 1. And today we see a return of Paul's favourite three. One of the words I heard for that was a trifecta. The top three is a trifecta. So what were your top three parts of last year? Maybe it's easier to choose than normal. Maybe it's the banana bread you made early on in the lockdown before you got sick of it. Maybe it's that Netflix series you've binged watched. Or, or maybe it's the volunteering you've done. Or maybe it's getting to know your neighbours properly for the first time or serving people in the community. Maybe it was that first time you got out and were able to do track and trace. Who knows? That's exciting, isn't it? Or maybe it was that first haircut after four months of being locked down. I think are you still waiting for yours, Joe? But, hey, sorry, I shouldn't insult you. That's rude, isn't it? Just coming from a man with no hair, that's terrible. But actually, I think three of the things that stand out for me of the last year were, one, people serving our community in Barrow that was brilliant, those people who made packed lunches in here in the summer and delivered them and in the half term. Seeing people meeting with others that we've never met before as a church and sharing God's love. And of course, Liverpool winning the football title. That was going to be a highlight of last year and hopefully this one too. Anyway, we'll see. I won't be any... Uh, I'm not going to be a false prophet and say we're going to win it because who knows. But Paul's trifecta, Paul's top three, we've heard before. Think back... To the series we did called Love Is. Which was in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And maybe even now as I mention it. You're able to repeat. Love is patient. Love is kind. Etc. Okay. But 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13. At the end of that passage. Paul says this. And now these three remain. This is his top three. Faith. Hope. And love. Those are his top three. Faith. Hope. And love. But the greatest of these is love. Those are Paul's top three. Faith, hope, and love. And as we start a new year and we start a new series, as a church and as people from the church, the church is not this building, the church is you watching who call yourselves part of the Springmount family. Those are the top three that you need to focus on going into this year. Your faith, your hope, and your love. It's a new year still with some of the same struggles we've had for the last 12 months. It's a year with some of the issues and all sorts of unknowns. And in chapter 1 of Thessalonians, Paul returns to this top three to encourage this young church to focus as they face difficulties. I'm going to read a few chunks of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read three chunks starting with verses 2 to 3. So if you've got your Bible at home, open it up, read it, underline it. And these are verses you can look at throughout this week and get them to sink deep. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 to 3 says this. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. I'm going to stop there because often people say, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to pray Paul gives you an example there. We always thank God for you and continually mention you in our prayers. So, who are you thanking God for today? Who are you giving thanks to God? Bring them before God and say, God, I just want to thank you for them. I want to pray for them and I want to bless them. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 is a key verse. Verse 3, we can keep it on the screen, Paul, and then we can see it. Verse 3 is a key verse in this chapter. Work produced by faith, labour prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. Hope in what? In our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I want to encourage you to work, labor, and endure. That doesn't sound like a very encouraging sermon. To work, labor, and endure. But it doesn't say those three things on their own because they are inspired by faith, hope, and love. They are inspired by the three things that Paul says are important. If we jump to the very end of the chapter before we come back to those three things, verses 9 to 10 say this. Halfway through verse 9, the people tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from this coming wrath. He's writing to a church that have turned from the old stuff, that have turned from the old idols, that have turned from worshiping what isn't right to worshiping the true God. And they are waiting for Jesus. They are waiting for Jesus. Jesus said he was coming again. He was coming again to rescue. He was coming again to redeem and save and remove and make all things new. So church, we are waiting. Just as this church in Thessalonica was waiting, we are waiting. I want to ask you a question. What is the longest you've waited for something? I'm not talking about how long you have to wait for the bathroom when your sister's been in there, Joel, or when Warren's been in there, Joel. Or I don't, I'm not talking about waiting for something simple or small. I, may, I know some people are already waiting for next Christmas. <laughs> Stephanie Potter. Anyway, if she's watching. I don't even mean waiting for your food to be delivered, food to be delivered by Uber Eats. You know, some of us, I see these posts on Facebook. I ordered food an hour ago and I'm still waiting. I'm not talking about that sort of waiting. I've had a few scary thoughts this week, and I don't mean horror film scary thoughts. Not only this year am I closer to 50, this year will be the last year in full that I have the number four at the beginning of my age. That's a very scary thought, very scary thought. You too, Peter Docker, as well. It'll be the last year you have four before your age. And this year, my daughter turned 21, 21 is a magnificent milestone. And this year, myself and Roz will celebrate our silver wedding anniversary. That's 25 years that Roz has put up with me. I can remember being young, and it was all the old people that had silver weddings. It surely can't be me. I'm not old. Joel's nodded his head. That's a bit scary. But the fact that I've got my silver wedding this year, and the fact that Chloe turned 21, it reminds me that Roz married me, just a few weeks after she turned 21. That's a scary thought, that my daughter is now the same age that my wife was when we got married. That, that, uh, that worries me. <laughs> it just worries me. Joel, this year, turns 24. He turns 24. I was 24 when I got married to Ros. There's another scary thought. Oh, my days. Oh, my days. But we were engaged for three years. And for the last of those three years, I was studying in Aberystwyth. I don't know if you've ever been to Aberystwyth. It's a beautiful place on the coast of Wales and drove every day down the hill to the, to the old college building, saw the sea, saw the pier. It was beautiful. But it was a long, long way from Barrow-in-Furness. And often I would travel up and down the motorway to do some work on the house that we'd bought, ready to be married and move in together. I was waiting to get married. I was waiting. But I didn't just sit for three years twiddling my thumbs. Although perhaps with my degree in chemistry, I didn't do as well as I could because I did a bit more twiddling my thumbs than I did revising. But hey, I didn't just sit and twiddle my thumbs. So how did I wait? How did I wait for that opportunity for that day to come when we were married well it was with excitement it was with anticipation we were working towards the day i didn't just sit and wait for it to happen ros didn't just sit at home and wait for the day to come there were plans to be made we talked about it i spoke with ros most nights we didn't have mobile phones we didn't have facebook or snapchat or all those things we wrote letters we talked about it. We were excited, looking forward to that day when we would become husband and wife and we could move into that house. That expectancy filled our waking hours, our waking thoughts. Waiting isn't an absence of activity. Yet it wasn't always easy. The wait wasn't a nothing before the something, the wait wasn't just nothing and then it happened. The wait was just as important. We've sung this morning, haven't we? That you're working in our waiting. God is working while we wait. So shouldn't we do the same for him? Shouldn't we be doing the same for him? Waiting was still full of important moments. It was still full of memorable opportunities. So Paul writes to this young church in Thessalonica and he says... You've turned away from all that other stuff towards God, the true God. You've turned away and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. Now you're waiting for Him to return. And how do you wait? With work prompted by, produced by faith, with a labor prompted by love, and with endurance inspired by hope in Jesus. Waiting biblically isn't scanning the skies for signs. Waiting biblically isn't looking around to see what's going on. Waiting biblically is working, laboring, and enduring. Inspired by faith, hope, and love. So what is faith? Well, we've done a series recently on that. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. But faith looks back. Faith looks back to the Jesus that came the first time. So the first coming of Jesus that we remember as a baby born, but that we remember as a a man who died and rose again. That faith in Jesus, the fact that we know what he's already done for us, should inspire us to work for him, should produce a work in us. If you read the book of James, it says that faith is shown in what we do. James chapter 2 says, faith without works is dead. If it doesn't inspire you to do something, then it's not real faith. It's not what we say it's the way that we say it. No, it's not what we say, it's how we act, how we behave and how we serve. That's faith. So the first of Paul's top three, the first of Paul's trifecta, Is faith produced by work. And as we wait for Jesus to come again, we need to serve and demonstrate the faith we have in Jesus by putting others first, by putting others before us. You know, waiting for my wedding day, I drove many miles. I smashed up old floors. I wheelbarrowed rubble into spaces that needed filling. Why? Because I wanted to be able on that day to share a home with my wife. So faith that I was going to get married inspired the work. It produced the work in order to be ready for that wedding day. So where is our hope? Faith might produce work, but where is your hope today? There's a verse that says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. What hopes do you have this year? If I said, what are you hoping for this year? I hope to be able to see my mum and dad physically again. I saw them twice, I think, last year, after the lockdown started. Once under an umbrella in their garden and once from a distance in their garden. I hope to be able to see my mum and dad. I hope to be able to see my brother and my sister and their families. I'm hoping to go to weddings. There's at least five I've got already in the calendar. Who knows whether they'll happen, but I hope to be able to go. I hope that we can go away overseas on a holiday. I hope my children don't get married at such a young and foolish age. (laughs) Because that is young and foolish, 21 or 24. You're listening, yeah. Don't take anything else, Joel, this morning. Just take that. I hope you don't get married. I don't really. Well, maybe. Who who knows? Don't quote me on that. But these things that I hope for are far from certain. Apart from the kids not getting married, I'm fairly certain that's not going to happen. But we'll see. But the hope in Jesus' return, the hope that Jesus is coming back to rescue, to save, to redeem, to make all things new, is certain and sure. His promises are true and he wants none to miss out on that rescue. Jesus wants to take all. But sadly, many will miss out because they refuse to accept him and they refuse to turn from those other things. But are we supposed to just focus on the signs and watch the sky? No. We work as a result of our faith and we persevere in hope. That's what keeps us going. The fact that we know he's coming back again. We endure because he's coming back again. We keep going because there will be an end to all this trouble. There will be an end to the darkness. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and that light is Jesus, the light of the world. But he's here today and now. Our hope looks forward to the second coming of Jesus. Our faith looks backwards to the first coming of Jesus when he died and rose again for us. So one is inspired from the past and one is inspired by what is going to be. But what about today? What about 2021, January, Barrow in Furnace? What about now? Well, now is about labour prompted by love. Have you ever had a labour of love? Maybe you've thought about a craftsman making something beautiful out of wood or clay. Or an artist painting a beautiful picture. Or a composer creating a masterpiece. Or maybe you've got a garden that you just absolutely tend and weed and grow. Maybe that is your labour of love. Why do we call it that? Because love is the thing that inspires and it energizes and it ensures that we are going to keep doing it. It's what inspires us to labor. This morning, if you're a Christian, is that how we feel about serving Jesus, no matter what? Or have we just been laboring? Is it a labor of love? Focus completely on the love that he had for us and the love that we have for him. Or is it just become a labour because we've stopped looking to Jesus? You know, the present day, 2021, January, Barrow and Furnace, has to be centred and inspired by love. We need to look back to Jesus if we've lost that love. We need to focus on all that he's done and all that he is doing. We need to recognise who he is Don has prayed that we've seen that in the songs, those songs that proclaim who he is, the way maker, the miracle maker, the healer, the mountain mover, the one who makes all things new. Today has to be centred and inspired by his love. It's no good just laboring. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because of love. Why did Jesus suffer and die? Because of love. Why did the early church even bother carrying on when they faced so much opposition? Because of love. Why do we labor? Why do we work? Why do we serve? Because of love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 6 say this. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. God has chosen you. You This letter is written to a church hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. But actually, the same is true today. If you are a Christian, if you have accepted Jesus, just know this, God has chosen you. He has chosen you. Why? Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit, let me just repeat verse six. "You became imitators of us and the Lord. How did they show that they were imitators of the Lord? Because they welcomed the message in the midst of great suffering, with joy. There was joy in the midst of severe suffering. That's how they imitated Jesus. You know, I can only do one impression. And it's of George and off Rainbow. I've done it before. I'm not going to do it again. I could do a passable Frank Spencer. <laughs> if you find a dog on a Monday. I don't know. I can't go. My brother's better at it. But it's passable. But you know, the best impressionists, the best imitators, the best impersonations don't just imitate the voice. They imitate the mannerisms, the actions. They imitate, and manner- they imitate everything. This young church, these young followers of Jesus, didn't just say the words of Jesus. They didn't just say the words of Paul. They imitated the example of both Paul and Jesus. They imitated everything. Even though they were in a very dark place, they imitated Jesus. Even though they were in the midst of severe suffering, with joy, they imitated Jesus. You know, suffering doesn't remove the joy of the Lord. Dark days shouldn't make us less joyful because joy is more than happiness. It may be difficult in these days that we have to be joyful. It may be difficult right now to be joyful. But this letter tells us we need to imitate Jesus. Whatever we face today, we need to imitate him. So what can we take from this chapter? What can we we learn from it well, we need to imitate and wait. If you read this chapter this week, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we need to imitate and we need to wait. And What do we do while we're waiting? Well, we work. Those people who are serving Spring Mount over on Walney and serving Walney community, trust on Walney, delivering food parcels to picking up prescriptions, they don't do it because it makes them feel good. Maybe it will, but they need to do it with a focus of love. Whatever you're doing in your street, in your neighborhood, for your neighbors, for your families, for your children, do it with love. We've seen a lot of hatred across the world this week. We've seen a lot of snarling faces. We've seen a lot of raised fists. Jesus says that everything we do needs to be inspired by love. And I believe if it isn't inspired by love, then maybe we shouldn't do it. Wait wasn't about violence, wait wasn't about hate wait has got to be inspired by love we work while we wait for Jesus why because of our faith in his death and resurrection we don't serve a man who died and that was it we serve a risen savior we serve the Jesus who died and rose again we serve the Jesus who set the example who when one of his disciples chopped the ear off a guard he restored it and said no We serve a saviour who went to the last, the lost and the least, who went to those who struggled. And we should labour in love. It's no surprise in 1 Corinthians that Paul says that the greatest of these top three is love. If you look at your top three for the last 12 months, is it inspired by love? Is it inspired by hope? Is it inspired by faith? We need to imitate and wait. So today, let's focus on the love of Jesus. Today, let's see the God who became man. Let's see the one whose love went all the way to a cross, whose love gave everything up. I read a quote this week that we have a king who went up a hill to surrender power. Why? because of his love. Let's not just wait and see it as a nothing before the something. We're not just scanning the skies and looking at this saying, we're living in end times. We're called to be acting. Faith without works is dead. So let's imitate Jesus as we wait for his return. Use the time of waiting and fill it with love. Today is the love. We look at the faith we had. We look at the hope for the future. And we, su- we need to totally surround today with love. Use the waiting. I waited three years to marry Ros. And it was difficult. But it was worth it. Maybe 25 years on, Ros is thinking it wasn't. But I'm sure she isn't. I waited three years. It was difficult, but it was worth it. Do you know, Jesus is worth the wait. The Bible describes his return like a wedding day, that we the church are the bride and he is the bridegroom. So as we wait, let us work, let us labour, let us endure. But let us do it inspired by faith, hope and love. Jesus is worth the wait. Let's wait in faith, hope, and love as we imitate the King of Kings. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that this morning we, we come not just to a building, not just to sing songs, but we come because Jesus came and lived, that Jesus died and rose, And Father God, whatever we face in 2021, this early church that Paul wrote to was facing persecution, was facing trouble, was facing great difficulty, seemingly in a great dark place. And yet the message was to be inspired by faith, hope, and love. To work, labour, and endure. Father God, I pray that we will be seen to be more like Jesus. Father, I pray that we will imitate the King of Kings, not just in what we say, but in how we act, in how we respond, in how we live our day-to-day life. Father God, I pray that we will be people who are seen as yours. And Father, I pray that as others look at us They will see something that is different, that is supernaturally different because we are filled and inspired by the Holy Spirit that brings joy, love and peace. Father, let us start this year as we mean to go on, inspired by faith, love and hope so that we can work, labour and endure for your kingdom now and forever. Amen.